We're in a series now called Loving One Another, and we're learning practical steps about how to love one another. And that's not easy. You know, it's easy to read that Jesus did this or Jesus did that, but it's actually quite difficult. So we're trying to um, articulate or maybe answer the question, what does it really mean to love one another in all these different contexts, right? Because for you and me, it's different. Our lives are all different. And again, to apply it when we're outside of church is what we want to aim to do to please God. We're going to be looking at Jesus' teachings and all the other um, fantastic teachings in the Bible. Um, the Bible or the biblical canon is just a gift to us that we can look back at what followers of Christ have written down who were first-hand witnesses or who knew Christ or both their experience, and we want to glean from that. So if you're new to church, we spend a lot of time reading the Bible because it is the Word of God. Amen? And as we read it, it reads us. And so in the Love One Another series, we're definitely diving right in. And of course, um, you know, and Pastor Lori mentioned this, um, Pastor Lori loves um, John 15, and because it has some real good commandments in there. Sometimes it's a little bit challenging. It says that if we want to love God, if we want to follow him, we have to obey him. And that comes with a little bit of a irk, because if you love Jesus, you have to obey Jesus. And we're walking. Not Nobody's perfect, but we're walking towards Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's jump and dive in. So just for some context before we dive in, um, the core scripture that we're going to be looking at today is a short one. Um, it is Ephesians 4, verse 32. For all of you taking notes, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Um, and then we're going to be looking at another story a little bit later on, which is Luke 10, 25 to 37. So if you're taking notes, that's kind of where we're going to be jumping between Ephesians 4, 32 and Luke 10, 25 to 37. Amen. Who's ready to jump in? All right. So, like I said, um, thankfully um, our pastors have been leading us through this Love One Another series, and we've actually covered a lot of the ground. Heads up, if anybody has not seen the last eight weeks, jump onto lifecenter.org, not right now, later, and you can watch all of the, um, the sermons that have been um, spoken about. Um, Pastor Jason actually touched on three of them, serving one another, honoring one another, and then in week seven, loving one another. Again, Pastor Jason shared, and then Pastor Lori also shared about stop passing judgment on one another. Really hard one for us. And then she also spoke to us last week about bearing with one another. That was absolutely awesome. Listen, God puts you beside people. You have to bear. That's a part of it. Isn't that exciting? No, it's not. <laughs> right? God empowers us to bear with one another and build each other up. Kofi did an excellent teaching in week four on instructing one another. A lot of times, you know, we just mentioned, Kofi mentioned school. We're in school of sorts because we're learning from Jesus. He is our instructor. And so we're um, learning from him. And then we can instruct one another in the right ways. And then Pastor Barry brought it home and really, really laid it down in terms of accepting one another and living in harmony. Also, two that are pretty hard. Why? Because we're broken people. We're not perfect and we're coming at this. But guess who's perfect? Jesus is. Our king is perfect and he has made a way for us and we don't have to try to strive on our own to try to do this. I love what Pastor Barry said. It's Jesus' sacrifice plus nothing. So if you're in here today, you may have come here with, you know, just, just so excited to give God glory and to worship and to dig into the word, or it may have been difficult for you. 
either because a season you're going through, last couple of days, couple of weeks have been very hard. Either you feel you let yourself down, maybe somebody let you down. Maybe you have sickness that you've been praying for that hasn't gone away. Maybe there are some people on your mind as you were journeying here and you say, Lord, I am praying for this person. I'm asking you to touch this person and you haven't seen it yet. But keep the faith, God is faithful, and we're gonna jump in, and even though you haven't seen that miracle, we're gonna learn as we look at the scriptures today that God doesn't do everything in a day. And so we have to be patient and we have to trust God, amen? amen. Beautiful, for anybody new to church, amen means you agree. When I say amen, it's obligatory for you to say. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Just so we get this straight, you know, ground rules, ground rules. This week, we're going to be jumping into um, being kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave us. So if you haven't already, turn with me to Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And again, I'll just pause here and um, thank Pastor Lori for reminding us last week, if you have a physical Bible, make sure you start bringing it. It's going to be fantastic as we move into September. We're going to be looking at his word. We're going to be looking at practical application. We want you to be taking notes, writing it down so that in the week, the Holy Spirit can bring back to your remembrance what you're learning. This is what I said. This is a school. We want to learn. So bring your Bibles and even a notepad um, as we go forward. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, it says, be kind and be compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is so wonderful, and we're going to jump into this together. Before we do, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Father, we thank you that we can come to you um, with outstretched arms open. We can come to you and we can say, Abba, Father, you have made this day, Lord. And we are so grateful that we can lift up your name. We can praise, we can rejoice you, but we can also come to you and say, we don't have it all together. We're actually kind of broken and we need you. So Lord, this morning as we're here, Lord, let us ask you, that you would come, that your spirit would be here. Lord, I ask in the name and in the authority of Jesus that you would be with us today, that you would open our eyes to listen to and to hear and to receive your word, and that you would change us, Lord, that you would either start or continue that transformation that we become looking more like your son day in and day out. Father, we need you. We need you. And so, Lord, we thank you for meeting us here. You are always faithful, and you are here. So may we be open right now and ready to receive. In Jesus' name, A. There we go. Quick learners. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. All right. So again, we're looking at being kind and compassionate to one another because we're forgiven just as in Christ God forgave us. The first thing I want to do is kind of explore this um, very small verse we're looking at, Ephesians 4, verse 32. So one of the things um, we know is that the writer of this is Paul, right? We know him, we hear about him in church, we hear about his exploits, we hear about how he went to the Gentile world and he actually brought the gospel to the Gentile world. We hear about the, the works that would follow him, healing people, coming to know the Lord. It was absolutely fantastic. So Ephesians 4, verse 32, Paul writes that when he's about 60 years old. He's getting up there. And, um, 
Um, 60 years old now, you're, you know, fantastic. At that time, at that time, 60 years old was a life expectancy. So he's old at this point. The Bible said that. I didn't say that. He's old at this point, right? And he's writing from jail. So a lot of us read it and we're encouraged, but he's writing from jail. That's the first thing to take away. When God wants to use you, he uses you in fantastic situations and in not so fantastic situations. You don't know God wants to use you and he will use you maybe even more powerfully as you embrace the fact that you need him and you're in a situation that doesn't look too pretty or look too rosy. So Paul is in prison. He's about 60 years old. He's old and he's writing this encouragement to the church at Ephesus. So like I said before, Paul was sent out and commissioned um, um, by God, by Jesus after the, the incident on the road to Damascus and he went out and if you can just imagine Imagine um, the, let's say, the map of the Middle East. Um, Israel is kind of vert vertically located. You have Judea in, in the, the southern part, then you have Samaria in the middle, then Galilee in the top, and then on this side you would have the Mediterranean Sea. So at that time the Roman Kingdom um, was really centered around this wonderful Mediterranean Sea, which was really life for them, and you had Rome in Italy, and then pretty much all the land that it touched was a part of the Roman Kingdom at the time. And so Paul was actually sent out, and Ephesus was kind of in western Turkey, where western Turkey is right now. And so Paul went there, planted a church, and then he got imprisoned, and so he wanted to encourage the church with this letter. And this, again, is just so wonderful. We're going to kind of go into the breakdown of the three parts of what's happening here. But a lot of times we have to remember in our own story, um, it's not easy to be kind and compassionate. It's definitely not easy to forgive. And even though we know and we've heard God has forgiven us, sometimes it can be hard to release forgiveness, eh? Sometimes you're going through something and it seems, it's a lie, but the enemy will tell you, boy, the only thing you have is to, to hold on to this thing and this person owes me this. And you say, I can't release that because I won't be holding on to it. And it's a lie. It's actually imprisoning you. So God is calling you to release that. And sometimes if you don't release that, uh, you don't release that in forgiveness, you can actually prevent yourself from following fully and truthfully God's word. So let's take a look at this again. Um, and actually, right before we break it down, let's just kind of understand again Paul's journey. So Paul, his name was Saul before. So let's jump in again just to kind of understand who Paul is, where he's coming from. We know that now he's a powerful preacher, is moving. God is using him to bless. God is using him to, to literally plant churches outside of the nation of Israel. And this is a big deal because up until this point, um, the word from Yahweh was preached and teached primarily to the Israelites, although not exclusively. So this is a big deal that Paul is going out. But if we turn back the hands of time, we go back 30 years before. Remember, he's 60 years old now. If you go back 30 years, what we find is a very different story. So around 30 years ago, or in the story that we are, is right after Jesus had been crucified. Then, because Jesus is awesome, he's like, calm down. I'm going to be resurrected in three days. He's up. He's defeated sin and death. It's over. It's a new chapter for us. The veil in the temple was torn. What we're experiencing right now, we could not have prior to Jesus because the priest was the only one who could have, you know, um, who could actually be with the Lord. And he could only be the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. Right now, we have a Holy Spirit that's free, that not only convicts us, but is with us, that comforts us, that heals us, that teaches us. Amen? Um, this is absolutely fantastic news. Back then, that wasn't the case. 
So back then, Jesus died for our sins. He was resurrected. And in that time, people who followed Jesus, they were called people of the way. It was kind of a, a new thing. Um, and it was... Of course, life-changing for many people, but for the establishment Jews who um, said they love Yahweh on paper, but their hearts were hard to Jesus' message, they were a little bit jealous. They saw something happening, and they said, wait a second, this guy's kind of taking some attention, maybe from us, maybe from our long flowing robes. Um, and people were actually saying, okay, you know what, even though they, did, they were being led by the enemy, but they didn't know it, and they started to get jealous. This resulted in something. After the church started, was you know, planted and started to grow, the 12 disciples realized that it was actually hard to administrate. And they needed to bring more folks in um, from a leadership perspective, actually help with some of the administration. I was some preaching and teaching. Stephen was a gentleman um, that they brought in, as well as many others. So when Stephen came in, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was zealous. He was moving in power, even though initially, you know, mainly it was an administrative role. But God was moving. Again, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the synagogue and a lot of the Jews said, this is a big deal. Something big is happening. It's shaking. It's moving. We don't like it. So just as they did to Jesus, they said, we have to get rid of Stephen. And when they kind of plotted and actually ended up doing that, we see the actual introduction of this person who was then called Saul. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at after Stephen confronts the Sanhedrin, he preaches to them um, a message of truth from Abraham all the way down to present day at that time. They say, no, we have to stone this person. So let's take a look and see what actually happens. We're going to read together um, Acts 7, verse 54. Acts 7, verse 54. We're going to go all the way up to 58. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So we have Saul show up in the record as this young man who was present at basically the death of Stephen. 30 years younger, Saul was about, um, historians believe the age of Jesus, around 33 or so at this time. And he was actually condoning what was happening. Saul was very zealous at that time for the ways of the synagogue and for the ways of what he thought Judaism was. And he was so zealous that he found himself not only amongst, but leading a group of people who were actually torturing people of the way, who had come to realize that Jesus was the Messiah, was the one promised in the prophets, and was promised by Malachi and Isaiah. And Saul was actually there condoning the death of Stephen. And it wasn't just that, he was actually, again, very, very zealous. And the reason why I point this out, I know it's um, a little bit of a tangent from being kind, is one of the first things we want to look at is the fact that God takes you from where you are, and he has in mind where he wants to take you. 
So I wanted to just remind you this morning as we jump into this, because many of us may be saying, oh boy, I can't do this. It's a hard one. Being kind, especially to those, per- those people, is difficult. It's not where you are today. It's where God wants to take you tomorrow. You may have come in here today and said, boy, Joseph, you don't know what I've done. Man, you know, last year, last month, last night, that was rough. But God has something for you. And it's not where you are today. It's where God wants to take you tomorrow. Yes, when you're in the forest, when you're in the fishbowl, it's hard to see. How are you going to make it through this period? God sees. God intervened in Paul's story. God can intervene in your story. We exist in time. There is nothing further than today right now. God sees your tomorrow. God sees your tomorrow. You may be here and you say, Joseph, I am just here because somebody invited me. I didn't want to wake up. The game has not started yet. God has called you and he is here to change your life. He has done so much for you that you don't know, but you will soon. But just remember, wherever you are right now, it's not where you will be. The final destination has not yet been written. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, precious, 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 so that you, if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. So if the enemy is trying to discourage you this morning, just tell him to get behind me, Satan. I am here to follow the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going places. We're going places. And Paul wasn't, by no means, was the only person with this story. Moses had a speech impediment. Abraham was too old. Gideon, he was a coward. Samson was a womanizer. Jacob, a liar. Noah struggled with drinking. Jonah ran from God. Rahab was a prostitute. And the Samaritan woman at the well was a multiple divorcee. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Zacchaeus was corrupt. John was prideful. Peter denied Christ. And Lazarus was dead. (laughs) This is very, very hard. If you didn't feel good now, if you go, oh, I feel good now. Woo! I feel, Lazarus was dead. Listen, what's impossible with men is possible with God. Amen? What's impossible with men is possible with God. There are some people here again. Maybe people have said things to you. Maybe you've heard things. Maybe you said, boy, it's, it's too far for me. No! God is here, so we're chill. We are ready to move forward, regardless of what you've heard or what you've believed in the past. If God can do it for all those people, he can do it for you. He can do it for me. He can do it for us. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Again, man, Paul, powerful, but wasn't always following God. But God interrupted his story. God is going to interrupt your story perhaps today. God is bigger. God is here. When we take a look at kindness and compassion, again, it's something that, just to pause and uh, chat about, a lot of times people associate kindness and compassion with your personality. So well, the person's a person, very kind person, you know, very compassionate, bleeding heart, and they go about doing all these things. We're going to look at a story in a couple minutes in the um, Gospel of Luke, where we actually don't see any articulation of what a person is in terms of their personality. Because for the Lord... 
It's not about your personality. Yes, he gave you that, which is fantastic, whether you're quiet or exuberant. It's about, are you going to obey him? And we're gonna see a beautiful example of compassion and kindness through obedience. Through obedience. Um, it's so awesome. Um, Jesus preached this really, really cool um, sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it now. And you can find it in, in you know, many Gospels. I love the one in Matthew from 5 to 7. And after Jesus preached this, he preached about many, many different things. You know what he said to the people, including his disciples who were listening? He said, now that you've heard these things, you actually have to do them. You have to do them. Because if you don't, you're like somebody who builds his house on sand. If you hear the word of the Lord and don't put it into practice, you're building all, you see the windows, you see the facade, you see the roof, you don't know it's on sand. And so we want to build our house on the rock, amen? amen. And so we, if we reverse engineer that, that means that when the word comes to us, we want to obey it. We want to be found to be obedient. Not perfect, nobody is. Jesus alone is. But we can be obedient and we can definitely train ourselves to do that and to follow our King and Lord. All right. Now, one of the things I thought about when I took a look at this scripture, and then we're going to jump into the next piece, is, again, uh, Ephesians 4.32. It's really broken down into three parts, and I kind of alluded to this before. Be kind and compassionate. Then it says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. One of the things we want to remember is when we try to do any of the things that our pastoral team has been teaching us for the last several weeks, including this one, being kind and compassionate, it's not coming from us. You see, it's not, that's why I say personality. It's not coming from us. And it comes from a well when we submit our lives to Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit fills us, and everything that we didn't have, he supplies. That's why I love that Jesus said in John 15, don't worry, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send a comforter for you. I am not leaving you as orphans. If you feel alone in this place, a lot of us do, a lot of people do, know that God is with you. He is right there. He is no further than the mention of his name. He is there. He has not left you and he will not leave you. But just like a good father, even just like the father who was waiting on his son to come home, he's on the porch. You have your volition and your will. God is not going to, in many cases, interrupt your decisions. And so you may feel alone because you've isolated yourself. Know that your father is just waiting. He's just waiting for you to turn around, to repent and to come to him. And he's going to run to you. But he will respect what you've decided to do in a season. So just know that your father is waiting. Maybe he's going to speak to you about something very important today. Right before we jump into Luke 10, 25 to 37. Again, we don't do this perfectly. I want to briefly touch on a story of my own about trying to be a good Samaritan, or I should say, failing to be a good Samaritan. So, um, in my life, I'm going to take you back several, several years to, let's say, in the, in the neighborhood of, you know, 2007-ish, so quite, quite a while ago. So, I was driving in Ottawa here, I've lived in Ottawa since I came to Canada from Jamaica in 99, and so I was driving, um, my fiance at the time, Julie, my wife, now was um, in the passenger seat. We were driving north on Bronson. 
if you guys know Bronson Avenue. So we're going north, and we wanted to catch the 417 to come back to Orleans because we were coming home. It was night, right? Uh, we were tired, exhausted. It was winter. Those are key elements. It was night, it was winter. I was trying to get home. We <laughs> were trying to get home. So we're driving. No, it's night, it's winter. We're um, just turned onto the little pass, I think, on Road 57 you take to go to the highway. And it's snowing a little bit. And we slow down, we take the turn, and we start to go. And then we see something. We see a car in a snowbank right in that location. It's right by the McDonald's, if you know the area. And I saw the car. I wish I had not seen the car. <laughs> and I proceeded to drive past the car. And then Julie, in the passenger seat, said, Joseph, we have to stop and help them. She wasn't aware that I was just, you know, hoping or wanting. I, I didn't hear you. What, what did you say? Just, just keep driving. But, but she convinced me, as is her way, to stop and help them. So I, I, I didn't have what it took at that time to make the right decision. I stopped. Of course, I had to reverse. It was a one-way road. I reversed back up to where these people were. You ever notice when God asks you to be kind and compassionate to people, automatically puts you in a bad mood sometimes? <laughs> automatically so I, I am here Julie didn't know but this was a test of our relationship right she, she didn't know I was like Whoa, am I gonna reverse again it was winter I'm Jamaican right I reverse and I'm thinking in my mind we're gonna do this we're gonna do it might as well I wanted to say to the people who were stuck um, I think there are three or four people there when I got out, I was going to say, listen, I'm Jamaican, so we have to do this very quickly. It's very cold. <laughs> I restrained myself. I didn't say that. But anyway, I, I, I ran there again, jumped out, ready to help. And again, when you're trying to help people, sometimes the enemy's trying to tempt you. Started to say, something doesn't look right. The people who are stuck in the snowbank, just visually, they're stuck. And the people, they're digging beside the wheel, adjacent to the wheel, not in front or behind. Say, so guys, come on. We don't have all day. Hypothermia is four minutes away. We need to get this ruling. So I said, no, no, no. We're not in Tron. Vehicles don't move this way. They move so. So I started digging in the front of the back of the wheel. And I'm going. I'm digging. I'm real. Because listen, I'm cold. I want to help these people, but I'm very cold. So I'm digging. And, and we're making. We're almost there. And then something else happens. I look up. And I'm the only one digging. <laughs> this is rough. I'm helping you. It's your car. Why am I digging? This is very, again, I'm, I'm trying to be kind and compassionate. I am digging. But I have a weird personality. I'm very competitive. So, I'm, so on the other side, I'm like, I'm winning. I'm winning. You know? So I was, I'm digging, but I'm winning. I love board games. I've, I've been married now 14 years. And um, it's been about 14 years since my wife played Monopoly with me. I'm too competitive. But anyway, we dig, we dig. We get out. Um, we push the car. It's good to go. They are released. You know, four of them are back in the car. And Julie said, we're about to go to our car. But I said, Julie, let's wait a little bit. And because this group, a fantastic group, maybe not the sharpest group. <laughs> So I said, you know what? There's a 62% chance that they're going to get stuck again before the end of the night. <laughs> and so like a good Christian, I said, Julie, let's allow them to get on their way. And then if they get stuck, somebody else is going to have the opportunity 
to help them. I said, listen, sharing is caring. Let's, let's, let's let them do it. So we were so mature in that way. And then after they got on their way and they were out of view, we jumped back in the car and then we, we took off. Now, if you're wondering, Joseph, that story is not really like the Good Samaritan. You got it. It's not the Good Samaritan. I failed that one. I'm in school. We're in school. Calm down. Everybody just calm down. We're going to be good together. All right. So now let's take a look at this story, the Good Samaritan. Again, if you have your fingers in the Bible, it's going to be at Luke 10, 25 to 37. Just to kind of set this up. Actually, you know what? Let's do it. Let's read through it first, and then we'll kind of chat about what's actually happening there, because Jesus is actually replying to a question with speaking about this. So let's read about it, and then we'll speak about it. So again, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We're going to go all the way down to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring all oil and wine. He then put them on his own donkey, put him on his own donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse for any extra expense you may have. Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Powerful, powerful story. If you've been in church for um, a short while, you may have heard that story a long while, definitely heard that story, but we can all learn from it, even if you're brand new. So this is a story again that Jesus tells to illustrate a story. So let's back up for a second. So again, Jesus is telling the story in, in order to answer a question. But let's kind of understand what's happening here in terms of at least where Jesus places this incident in his, in his parable. In Judea, you would have Jerusalem. Again, it's the lower part of Israel. You have Jerusalem, and then you would have Jericho. This road that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho was very treacherous. It was a downhill road, and it was very small, very shaly, very rocky, a lot of parts very hilly. And because of that, people used to get robbed a lot, a lot of times going that road. It was, just, it was not a, a, a good road to, to actually traverse. It was very, very well known as a road that thieves and robbers wanted to kind of accost you on, if you will. This will give you an idea of size. Walking this road, it wouldn't necessarily be like being on the highway. It would be the distance is about 28 or 29 kilometers, which is in 
incidentally, the distance between our parking lot out here and the parking lot of Kanata Life Center. So it was a long way that you're walking, and you're going down on shaly roads, very narrow roads, and a lot of outcrops of rocks that people could hide on. Second thing is, when Jesus mentions the um, priest that comes along, this would have been known to folks who are hearing the story. A priest is somebody who represents the people on behalf of God, goes to God, offers sacrifices, is the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies because the Holy Spirit had not been released yet um, to the mass population as he is at this time. And so that person would have been somebody you thought, this person is going to stop and help for sure. I'm just a regular person. This person is a priest. That didn't happen. Levite, born into a tribe of service to God's people, serving in the tabernacle. Levites, you see, this person, for sure this person is going to stop and demonstrate some kindness, compassion. That person didn't. A Samaritan comes along. And Samaritans lived in the area of Samaria right above Judea, sandwiched between Judea and Galilee. And uh, several hundred years back, some um, Jewish people intermarried after some stuff, intermarried with Gentiles, and uh, lived and settled in the area of Samaria, and that's why they're called Samaritans. And ever since that time, because they intermarried with Gentile people, non-Jewish people, they were scorned. Um, there was no love between them. They, they were like Starbucks and Tim Hortons customers. <laughs> it, it, was, it was rough, you know? <laughs> Even worse than that, honestly, it was very, very rough. You know, Sunni Shia type animosity. But really, it's because the Jewish people at the time, they said these people are half breeds. When they wanted to insult Jesus, they called him a demon possessed Samaritan. Woo! There's nothing lower than that. So you can see that there's a lot of animosity here. And that's why this person said, Well, Jesus, qualify for me. Who is my neighbor? Because surely it's not Bob over there. It can be anybody but Bob or Bob's clan. And so Jesus kind of jumps into this. Jesus has a way, when he sees your heart, he still engages. He knows that you're trapped in, you know, on repentance, on forgiveness, but he still engages with you. And so that's the scene. So we pick up the story now where the Samaritan comes along. And this is where your personality, how fluffy you are, how quiet you are, it doesn't matter. We don't hear what this person says, how they do it. We just see what they do. The Samaritan comes along. First of all, he stops. He interrupts his schedule and he stops. That's what love does. He interrupts his schedule and he stops. We're going about our busy lives. We're so busy doing all these various things, we don't realize that we have to interrupt our schedule in order to obey Jesus. Jesus says, you're my disciples, okay? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus says, whenever you do something for the least of these, you're doing it for me. So that's the first thing we can draw away from being kind and compassionate. And then he takes out oil. And he puts it on the wounds and he uses um, wine as well to disinfect the wound. That was for his next meal in all likelihood. Because traveling that road, you're going to get to an inn, you're going to need to make some food. Either you have to buy it or you have to make it. And so that was a part of the traveling um, package. So he's using now his sustenance, stuff that's for him to take care of somebody he doesn't know. And somebody who in all likelihood he knew hated him. If this person would come to themselves, oh no, that's a Samaritan, please. This is a different kind of love. 
This person is half dead. The Samaritan stops, interrupts his schedule, bandages his wounds, disinfects them, wraps them up, and puts this, Samar- this person on their donkey or on their animal. So, you know, we have all these blessings in our lives that God gives us. Among them, financial blessings, time, talents. We have all these things that we think that, oh, God wants to bless me with these things. He's giving it to you because you were a steward. I love what Pastor Barry said, hold everything lightly. Because God is giving you as a steward and he's looking. If you will hold it lightly and hold it well, he will bless you with more. Here it is, the Samaritan, the last person that should have stopped because he's hated by the person who's helping. He stops. Jesus' definition of kindness and compassion is different. We are in need of this type of teaching, of this type of example. God was trying to, Jesus was trying to show this person who was there to test him, not just follow, but test him, maybe try to break him. But Jesus said, this is the type of love, kindness, and compassion that we need to demonstrate. I love the next part. The man, Samaritan man, takes a wounded person to an inn. And off his donkey, he puts him in the inn. And he says to the innkeeper, here are two denarii. Take care of him. And I'm going to come back. If there's anything outstanding, I'm going to pay it. When I was researching and I looked up, what was the, the customary price of staying in an inn at that time? It was about one thirty-second of a denarii. So this person gave an innkeeper about two months that you would need to stay in this inn because he was so badly beaten and bruised. And then he said, listen, anything else you need, you let me know and I will pay when I come back. You can see the spirit that this person had in him. It's the same spirit. And Pastor Barry gave us this homework to read Philemon. When, 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 you know, remember that? When you read that, what you, what you understood is that Paul said, Philemon, take back Onesimus, not as a slave, as a brother. If he owes you, I will pay it. That's the standard. That's the standard. I know, I know. We don't meet it. We don't meet it. And sometimes it's really, really hard. We can beat up ourselves. The devil can beat us up and you say, oh, you didn't meet it last week, last year, last month. But Jesus is very honest with us. This is the standard. And I have good news for you or bad news. If you haven't met that standard, this is the good news, Jesus met it for you. And he was the blameless lamb that died for you. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 4.32. In the last part, he says basically, listen, you have to forgive each other as in Christ God forgave you. God has forgiven us so much. And through this Love One Another series, sometimes we can be almost gluttonous of everything God has given us until we remember, God says, actually when he taught us to to pray and to fast and to give, if you don't forgive your brother, neither will I extend forgiveness to you. That stings. It stings, but it's, it's in there. God said it. So we have a choice. On this road and as we kind of go through these next weeks as we go as we go into September will we realize where we are in relation to where God is calling us and where we need to be and will we ask ourselves Lord 
in my situation have I been in a place where you wanted me to show kindness and compassion to somebody, maybe forgive somebody and have not done it? Again, because of where we are and because of the shed blood of Jesus, we can actually easily enter in through repentance. And God will be there. You know, John the Baptist was kind of an outcast in his day. And well, he put, kind of put himself out of the, the, you know, the, the way that people would travel. He was in the desert. But in Matthew 3, he actually encounters, he's baptizing, he's out there doing his stuff. And he sees some people coming towards him. And the, the word says in Matthew 3, when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming towards him, he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, we are children of Abraham. Because out of these very stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. You know what he said to them? The axe is at the root of the trees. And any tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, that sounds harsh, but that's why the God is telling us sin and rebellion has a price. And wow, are we thankful and grateful that God paid that price. If you are here and you are a follower of Christ, you may have heard this before and you may know it, that God paid the price. If you're new or if you haven't been here in a long time, that feeling that you have, that you've missed the mark, that feeling may not just be your mind, it may actually be the Holy Spirit convicting you. But there's another voice that said there is no way. I can't go back. I can't turn back time. I can't undo that sin. I can't undo this period of my life. It's all over social media. That's the voice of the enemy. As we dig into God's word together, we will find out and equip ourselves with the teaching to understand how to, to differentiate those. There is freedom for you today. If you can hear my words in this building or online, there is freedom for you today. There's a person in this world called the enemy. He's a liar. He lies to everybody. That's kind of what he does. That's all he does. He tried to lie to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell that stone to become bread. If you are, come on, no. The enemy lies. My point is that you may have some lies in your heart and I'm telling you, freedom is here for you today. If you can't do kindness by yourself, God is here today. You're not supposed to do it by yourself. In fact, you're supposed to give up everything you want to do and lean on him. That's what faith is. Faith is trust and reliance that you can't do it because he already did. So if you're here today and the enemy is talking to you, tell him, get behind me, Satan, because my Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. Right before we kind of conclude, I just want to share a passage that I love because it really shows us what the true criteria is for entering into a relationship with Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Some people thought that they could do it because they were so good. They're sinless. They knew their word. They're walking properly. Everything on the outside looked clean. You know what Jesus said? In Matthew 11:28, 28, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're weary and burdened today by life's troubles, you can come to Jesus. He has come for you. He didn't come for the, the healthy. He came for the sick. If you're weary and burdened, he's here for you. If you're on a mountaintop, great. Remember to trust in him. Don't count what you, he's given you as your own because it comes from him. He is so good. He is ready. He is right there. God is right there for you. And he will teach you. But we have to follow him. That's our obligation. The reason we're called followers of Christ is because we choose to follow Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Lord, we, we admit that we have sinned and we've fallen away from what you've called us to do. Lord, we thank you so much that before time began, you planned it. You said, I'm going to send my holy servant, my only son. He's going to come live a spotless life and die. And he's going to redeem the world of their sin. And all we have to do is trust you, have faith in you and follow you. What a gift. Thank you, Lord. None of us are here because of our righteousness. We're here because of your grace. This morning, Lord, I pray in your name and with your authority that you will loosen chains that the enemy has shackled people in this congregation or online with that says that they can either not follow you or not live out what you've called us to and, and have put them in bondage. In the name of Jesus, we step out of that and we step towards you, Jesus, because with you, nothing is impossible. If you have done it, then we can follow you, Lord. You have done it and we will follow you. Like Peter, Lord, we're going to step out of the boat. And we're not stepping onto anything that looks necessarily secure in our eyes. But you, if you have called us, we will come. So, Father, again, thank you so much for this time. And just impress on each of our hearts what you're speaking to us about. Whether it's to be kind and compassionate to a neighbor. Maybe it's to our, a parent, somebody at work. Maybe it's to forgive a father or a mother. Maybe it's to call that friend and pray for them. Maybe... Like you told us in Matthew 5, it's to leave or offering at the, you know, the foot and then go and actually be reconciled, Lord. You speak to us, Lord, about what you want us to do in this way. And we submit to you, Lord. We submit to you, Jesus. We want to be kind and compassionate. And we know we cannot do it in our own strength. But you have sent the Holy Spirit. And thank you for that, Lord. Everybody, if you could... In your seats, just put your hands out and put your palms up. If you're at home, put your hands out and your palms up. So I can pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. Be gracious unto you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.